Hello, and welcome to Workforce Insights with Employ Milwaukee podcast. I'm Shaitania Brown, President and CEO of Employ Milwaukee, the local workforce investment board serving Milwaukee County. As our local community and nation continues to navigate, navigate through the newly created maze of workplace operations resulting from the COVID-19 pandemic, Certain fundamentals of life remain at the forefront, and that's gaining employment and having access to viable career options. That is true regardless of background. In fact, prior to the pandemic, many employers have been open to hiring individuals with backgrounds as a viable pipeline for workforce talent. And to this end, today we are delighted to be joined by a special guest, Mr. Christopher Polk, who himself in spite of being justice evolved, has applied those fundamentals of ambition, desire, and resilience to carve out a reentry success story for himself. Welcome, Christopher. Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. This interview between you and I is very special in that uh, when I took over uh, to run the agency, and even prior to uh, me uh, becoming a, at the helm of the agency and working here, our reentry programs was a priority um, for this agency. We truly believe that um, working with young people, working with individuals who were just as involved, we can have the greatest impact in our communities. Can you just tell us, uh, Wilbur speaks very, very highly of you and the progress that you've made in your journey to success. Please tell our listeners a little bit about your background, your growing up, and eventually how you became involved in the system. Well, I, I was born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, I'm 28 years old. How I ended up being raised was in a single-family home. Um, I was raised by both parents, but you know, my mom was, was the parent that was always there. I ended up getting into the system when I was 17, um, probably I would say because like around 15, 16, uh, my mom had got federally indicted. So, and I had a son and I had another child on the way as well. So I had a lot going on and I was making a lot of the wrong decisions at 16 or 17. I was having to answer a lot of questions that the average 29 or 30 year old will be having to answer. So, I made some wrong choices, and that's how I ended up being incarcerated at 17 years old. Wow. So can you tell um, our listeners, so while you were incarcerated, were there available resources to you as options to improve your life, or did you create a roadmap um, for yourself once you got out? It was kind of, I'm going to say a little bit of both. When I was in prison, they had, programs and things of that nature for us to sign up for and try to get involved in. But because I wasn't one of the individuals that had a lengthy period of time, I wasn't offered any of those. Um, mm. I never did more than two years. Well, my last incarceration, I did two and a half years in prison, but even then that was my longest and that wasn't enough time for me to get put on, put into any type of programming or, um, schooling or any of those things, they said I didn't have enough time to. So I basically had to come up with a plan myself using the resources that I did have there and then some newly found resources that were discovered um, in my last incarceration right before I was released. So do you think it would have been a little easier had you had the opportunity to get some of that programming while inside or... 
you managed pretty well once you got out. I can't I can't necessarily say that it would have been easier because you st- I still would have to put the work in for myself regardless once I did come home. Mm-hmm. But it would have probably gone about the same way whether they had helped me or not because of me getting involved with the Alma Center and the Smart Reentry Program while I was in there. Like whether they gave me different programs, like whether, whether the inside of the prison system let me go to school or be a, be involved in one of those programs or not, I still was able to get involved with the Army Center and the reentry program with with Wilbur. So that was really what my stepping stone was. Right. So it still sounds like even though, um, you know, you didn't get attached to programming, you were able to get attached to some uh, resources that was able to attach you eventually to a program um, that helped you in your pathway. Does that sound about right? Yes. Okay. So tell me, like, being in and out of the system for, like, 10 years or so, was it hard to adjust um, once you got out? Or um, when you got out, did things kind of seem the way they were prior to you being locked up? Um, it seemed like every time I got out, things were worse. And I was having to fix everything for everybody when I got out. So it was like, I have, I get my feet up under me or try to anyway, but I got kids, I got responsibilities that I have to take care of. And then, you know, it's, it's like when you're a father and an older brother and a son and like, and you really take pride in those things. But, um, a lot of the time things can get very difficult and get very frustrating. And I know it was getting, I know it was frustrating for me because, when I was getting out, I had, like, I was coming home with nothing. I wasn't getting out with money or, you know, clothes or a car or a home or anything like that. So I was literally having to start from zero and get everything together myself, not just for myself, but also for my family as well. Yeah. Um, so you chose the path um, of becoming an electrician. Did you ever feel like giving up or, and if so, like, how did you overcome those challenges and obstacles? Because like you said a minute ago, um, you were, it, it was getting worse. Every time you went in and came out, it seems like it, it, things were worse and you had to keep picking up the pieces. Um, so, you know, how did you choose that path and, you know, did you ever feel like giving up? And what advice would you give to someone who kind of faced those same similarities, but you were able to get something to persevere? And you, what would you offer up to someone else? First part of the question, um, I want to be an electrician um, probably for about a good eight or nine years now. Um, once, I, once I really learned what the job duties entailed and, like, the things you need to know, to become a great electrician, like you basically need to be good with numbers and I love math. So it was a, um, it was one of those things where I had to do my own research on it to really see if I wanted to be a part of it or not. And once I did that, I knew that's what I wanted to do. But before I was, before I was released, I would say that it was, it was difficult for me to, even keep the idea of becoming an electrician alive because I knew I was going to get out and things were going to be difficult like they usually are when I get out. So that alone, that alone made me think about, you know, just even having an idea of giving up before I even start. 
But getting involved with Wilbur and getting involved with the Alma Center and gaining the resources that I that they gave me to be able to create my own path as far as as far as with me um choosing to be able to being able to choose to do the apprenticeship and um really just show that I was dedicated to what I want to do and them helping me. I I felt like when they when I was in prison and they they were always reaching out to me, checking up on me, making sure that I was good physically, mentally, emotionally, making sure I wasn't giving up on myself. So just to know that I had people that didn't even know me care about what I wanted and like my dreams and what I, and how I wanted to change and how I wanted my future to be better, that made me not want to give up on myself even more. So um, just hearing you say that, it makes me think about a number of, um, you know, Wilbur is part of our reentry team. And so he has a number of guys and girls that come, you know, from incarceration and many are hopeless. They don't believe that, they can get employment. They believe that as soon as they check the box and say that, you know, that they um, have a record, that employers will not hire them. Um, what is something that you would say to them to keep their hope alive? I know you just mentioned, you know, people checking on you, but what is something that you can give to someone who might be listening to this interview to keep that hope alive and believe that while you might get turned down, there is that one opportunity that's out there waiting on you. It's funny that you even mentioned this stuff because, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a part of an electrician apprenticeship. I just started. My first day was last Monday. I was placed with an employer the Thursday before that Monday. And when I, before I, I didn't even get a chance to make it to the interview part or anything because I checked the box that I was a felon. They actually reached out to me and called me and told me that they weren't going to hire me because I was a felon. So the next day, I was the only person out of the 48 apprentices that were picked. I was the only one that had to go back to the apprentice office to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with one of the chairmen of the, of the board, of the electrician board, of the union, I should say. I'm sorry. And... He was, he was asking me, was I getting frustrated or did I feel like I wanted to give up or did I want to quit? And I kind of just smiled at him, and he was kind of taken aback by my by my gesture of me smiling. And he asked me, was I okay? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. Like, it's not the end of the world. I've been through worse. I've been through better. And I know that I'm not going to give up on myself just because my current, well, my supposed current employer decided not to hire me. Okay. Mm -hmm. One thing that you have to learn about life is it's not always going to be perfect. Most of right. the time it's going to be far from perfect, but you can always make the best out of the situation. And as long as you believe in yourself and what you got going on, you can always make it better. It might take you some time. Actually, it's probably going to really take you some time. Mm -hmm. But for people that have been what I've been through, what I've been through. Um, like, like those are the people that, like, a lot of them, and it's sad to say, are the ones that are helpful. Like, I went to a prison with Wilbur. I went to Racine Youthful Offender Correctional with Wilbur mm -hmm. and actually did, uh, um, like, a motivational speaking for about 15, 16 young men there. They're about mm -hmm. my age. I'm, I'm 28 now. I did that when I was 27, and they were every from between 19 and 24. So they're about my age too. 
And there was one in particular that stood out to me because he he raised his hand to make a comment and told me that he felt like he wasn't done going to prison because this was only his first time. And he know he didn't learn his lessons. He only did less than a year and he was about to be ready to go home. And he was asking me, what can I do to make him feel like he shouldn't want to go back to prison? Wow. I told him like, you, you have to want that for yourself. Like, I'm pretty sure and he told me he had a child too. I'm like, you, you have a child. Like you have somebody that looks up to you, that loves you unconditionally, no matter what you do, because you're their father. That alone that thought alone should make you want to try to change and try to want to do better. Not to mention if you come to, from the type of background I came from, which he did, that should be another reason that you want to change and do better. Because if you don't change, you don't try to change your environment or the way that you're doing things, this is going to be your future. Right. Well, that those were some, some good words. And it's good that you had that opportunity to go back because oftentimes for the staff who work in the program, sometimes they're seen as not understanding the plight of someone yeah. who's been incarcerated. And so sometimes when someone is telling you what you should do or how you should feel or what your motivation should be, people will, you know, poo-poo it and, and say, well, you, you don't understand because you've never been incarcerated. But to hear, you know, and some people need to hear it from someone who's been through similar situations such as themselves in order to kind of hear it and, and, you know, believe it. So that's good that you were able to do that. I, I really believe in the peer mentoring to assist in situations like this. So tell me, um, what do you think is the biggest challenge that a formerly incarcerated person face in their ability to reintegrate into society. So um, whether it be family, whether it be, you know, just looking for knowing where to go and look for a job, what do you think is the biggest challenge? Um, the biggest challenge uh, overall for, for, for people coming from my situation, I would say the biggest challenge is financial stability. Like it's so hard for people to get a job. Like, employers will literally see that you're a felon and just throw your application. Well, I'm not going to say they literally throw your application away, but they, that might as well be what they're doing because you won't get a call or it'll be a job that you, that can't support you and your family. Like you only can pay for a studio apartment in a high, in a poverty ridden, a high crime neighborhood. And that's not going to help your situation because you're still not getting away from the, from the violence, from the crime. That that was how I even had, how I called my case last time. My last incarceration was because I got caught with a gun, but the reason why I got a gun in the first place was because I was robbed at gunpoint two houses down from my house in broad daylight, and the police mm -hmm. didn't come for four hours. And they, the police station is 10 blocks from my old house. They didn't come for four hours. Wow. So that made me feel like, okay, I need to be able to protect myself and my children. My children live with me. I had just walked them to school that morning and was coming back home at 8.30 in the morning and was robbed at gunpoint by two kids. That's, that's probably the, the, the biggest barrier right there. So I've heard you mention your children a lot. What advice do you give your children um, based upon your experience? When it comes to what I've been through, I always tell my kids to never give up. They both play sports. They're both in school. They're only a year apart. They're, my son's about to be 12 in about 12 days, and my daughter's 10. She'll be 11 in about three, four months. But I always tell them that I don't want them to give up. Whatever, they, whatever they're doing, if you're going to start something, 
make sure you see it through. Even if you don't want to do it after, like like basketball, for example. So my daughter, if you want to play, you got to play. You got to play the whole season. You can't miss a practice. Ain't no slacking. None of that's going on. Now afterwards, if you if you feel like it's not for you, okay, you can say you tried it out. It didn't work. Let's move on to the next thing. But never give up though, because you never know what opportunity might arise from you um, keeping it going. Whether it be you playing sports or you doing good in school, or whatever it is in life that you want to be or that you uh, have dreams about doing. Just never give up that hope because you really can do it. That is so valuable. And just thinking about, um, you know, you seem like a person who, you know, is pretty self-determined. Um, but at the same time, you know, you came through uh, one of our programs that uh, Wilbur Holloway oversees and, you know, part of what we do is advocacy for resources to continue to have these programs to get people connected. Um, can you just tell our listeners and even potential funders who might be listening, how important programs such as the one that you came through here at Employee Milwaukee are to helping to reduce recidivism, helping to keep people from going back into incarceration? This, this program might be the most important program we have right now as far as keeping down recidivism because they actually help. They actually listen to what you want to, they actually listen to what you have to say. They actually help you get the resources that you need to where if you're serious about what you want and you showing that this is really what you want, they're going to make sure that it happens. There were nights where Wilbur was off work calling me, emailing me eight, nine o'clock at night to make sure that someone called me or someone emailed me back that I was asking about or some information got to me. Like he would double and triple check after he done got off work. He, he's been off work five or six hours. So that, and, and then not only that, I remember my first day out of prison, I got out because of them. I got out three weeks early. I, uh, the, the judge could have made me stay for an extra 30 days, mm. but he only made me stay for 10 because my grandfather's funeral was in 11 days. He had just passed away. He's a war veteran. Um, he was my hero. I love my granddad to death. He's my, my mom's, my mom's father. And I had already missed my grandmother's funeral because she passed away not even a year before him while I was in prison also. So, um, they went to my judge and my judge ended up letting me out early. You know, he, uh, they talked, they basically vouched for me. And because they did that, I was able to go to my granddad's funeral. And on top of that, I got out on my son's birthday. My son's birthday, September 11th, that's the day I was released. They went above and beyond for me to be able to be in the situation that I'm in now. So I told them that first day when I got out, I told them, I'm going to make sure that everything that y'all did was not in vain. I'm going to make sure that y'all be able to say that y'all proud of me before it's all said and done. And that's all I've been trying to do ever since then. Well, you know, Christopher, I truly... I'm proud of you and appreciate you for taking the opportunity um, to share your insights about your journey with us today. It is stories like yours that oftentimes people need to hear because what we report out is people generally only see the numbers, but behind those numbers and percentages are people. And each one yes, of those people have a story. And it's those stories that people need to hear so that they can understand 
what these programs mean to individuals. People need second chances. We make mistakes. And even those of us who's never been incarcerated, we're 10 seconds away from a situation occurring that may land you into a situation where you're behind bars. You just never know what curveball might be thrown at you. And your story is so important, being a young man with a family and just, you know, wanting to give back. What you're doing today is, is really, really, really important because there's all kind of people who will listen to this interview. And most importantly, like I said before, there's a human behind all of the numbers that we report up. So it was a pleasure to have you on the show. Are there any parting words that you would like to leave to our listeners? Um, yes. I will. The one thing that I would love to say to everybody listening here today is that no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, you can always be better than you think you can be. Don't give up hope just because you come from a poverty neighborhood or because you might have had a significant other loss or anything, anything that you can go through. I've been through a lot. I'm only 28 years old, and I've been through more than the average 50-year-old man. But I won't give up hope because I have so much and so many people depending on me. And not only that, life is so fulfilling when you don't give up. So just never give up is my last parting words for everybody. Again, thank you. Hats off to you. I appreciate you. And Employee Milwaukee is so very proud of you. Thank you. You too. Thank you too, man. I really appreciate the phone call and the opportunity to be able to experience this. Thanks for listening to Workforce Insights, where workforce development is our business. Make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about Employ Milwaukee, visit www.employmilwaukee.org. That's www.employmilwaukee.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next time with a new episode.